Warning, this podcast is rated F'd up for profanity, sexual violence, and potentially disturbing material. If I were you, I'd turn back now. Welcome to the Macabre Academy. Somehow you've either come back or you've crawled into the darkest corners of the the, uh, the interwebs there. <laughs> this is your home for everything weird and spooky and occult and shit. My name is Stephanie. You guys know me. I don't have Kev this week, which is why this intro sucks ass. That is what's going on here. Instead, I have a very special guest, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hey, guys. My name is Patrick. Uh, I know uh, Steph here from uh, our sh- my wife's and my shop in Bellevue, the, uh, the menagerie. We just opened uh, about a month or so ago, uh, and uh, I've been lucky enough to get invited on to, to give her a hand. Hopefully, I don't screw it up and fuck up too bad. I don't, if, if you've been a long-time listener, let's pretend for five seconds that people actually came back and been listening to this for a year, because that'd be great. Um, <laughs> I actually bonded here. Uh, over the Morgon. And I mentioned Patrick here in that episode, if you heard it, this is that guy, just so we know. I was the overzealous dude that wanted to whip out the picture of his uh, altar to everyone and anyone who didn't want to see it. <laughs> it was so good. I was so impressed. I was like, I, I instantly, you instantly endeared yourself to me. And now I come up and just bullshit even when I don't have money. So it's great. Yeah, we have- the coffee maker. That's what it's there for. I know. I know. I was staring at it the other day. I was like, I should work on this episode. And then I wound up just like, your wife is so charming. I just, I wound up sitting down talking to her and completely forgot about the coffee pot. Just <laughs> She has that effect. Yeah. What's, what's interesting about Patrick's shop is not that it's just a, uh, what a cult shop, right? It's, it's 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 creating this space for people in Pittsburgh to get together and have conversations and learn and exchange information. So that's why I'm so excited to have you here on the Macabre Academy because you you guys have been a source of of new information for me, which is new because I'm normally the nerd who knows everything. <laughs> what did I call your wife? The knower of the things. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 pretty freaking accurate. She's. I always thought I had useless information. She has useless, useless information, useful information. You know, she'll have learned something when she was like six months old and somehow still fucking remembers it. It blows my mind. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, what's fun is that we're recording this episode just slightly before Samhain, but you guys are going to hear it just a couple of days afterwards. So I hope you guys had a great holiday. We're going to be celebrating at your shop. That's really That's right. great. Do you want to tell guys what, you, what you're doing for the holiday or what you have? Well, this is future tense, but for them, it's what what we're good, what we had done will do. So I, a friend of ours had uh, put together and started a, uh, a, a Samhain ritual. Uh, this is was the second year it was done. Um, last year they did it outside at the uh, the Avalon Park. Uh, so we we offered our shop as a place to do it. So. Uh, the same mistakes of last year didn't happen again, i.e. really fucking cold, the wind blowing out candles, people slipping in the mud and Adam falling on his ass. Um, and essentially what it is, is uh, we, we got a list of, uh, of the ancient gods and goddesses that usually all have to do with uh, death and the underworld and passing. 
uh, call them forward, give them thanks, and uh, just give our appreciation for for them looking after our loved ones who have all gone before us. And then afterwards, big fucking party. I'm I'm so excited. We bonded over my Death Goddess series. We're bonding again over Death Deities. I would love to come revisit some more of them on the show. I know I was planning Mitatika Sigalo was one of the ones I was working on. Say that 10 times fast. Oh, my God. You don't know how long it took me. It took me a week to learn how to say Mitatika Sigalo. It took me a fucking week. Week. But if you guys want to you want to go back to the Death Deities, I mean, I've got... I think uh, I might get some divine inspiration coming up here soon to do that. Um, but here we are. I had wrote a really cute segue. I can't think of how to do it. So I'm just going to pose the question to my guest. Do you know what really fucking sucks? Me on a Friday night after a 12 pack. I was going to say, you, you, oh my. <laughs> A little quick with the yeah i mean i'm i'm i am known for the five minute blow job i have boasted about it on here before but that is not what we're discussing today the one time i did go over the five minute blow job a guy the guy was gay and we were he took out a notepad out of his bag and put it on the table and started taking notes about the five minute blow job so one day one day i will put that out into the rest of the world the, the art. You just sit there with a the timer? Okay. And five minutes. Go. Anyway, we're getting, we're getting way off topic already. Way off topic. All right. So uh, Dracula sucks. Literally. So here we are. And this is a name we all associate with vampires. Struck fear and arousal for thousands of years, basically. Halloween staple, but in classic Macabre Academy fashion, we were late. So... Sorry, guys, you're getting a little late, but I'm going to break down all the essential information that you need to know on Dracula and vampires and some shit that you don't need to fucking know. Okay. Cause I'm, I, I go down a rabbit hole. I go balls deep every time my little quick episode turned into three or four different books. In fact, I, I got an audio. We all know how much I love audible and I got this Vlad impaler book and it was a, um, novelization of Vlad's life from his perspective and it even had sexy scenes with his wife in it It was nuts she is not anywhere in my notes I just kind of because I had to shave this down to an hour and a half for sound maiden so we'll see how good we do sorry sis sorry I'm so sorry I'm sorry but when you think Dracula how did you learn about Dracula was like the first thing where you're like that's fucking Dracula what was what was the thing uh, for me, it was probably reading the novel. I, I dove into that really freaking young and uh, kind of just twisted my mind a little bit. I realized that Bram Stoker, Stoker, I always call him Stroker. Like, I want to do that. I did that a thousand times talking about this. But Stoker, that guy. Yeah, not the Stroker, the Stoker. <laughs> that, he wrote that thing in 18 or nine, in 1897. I wrote in my notes 1987. There was a year after I was born. No, 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 no. It's 1897. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And I really would love to like super get into that novel, but that's going to be next episode. Hopefully come back for that because that'd be fun. But um, scholars determined that he drew really strong references from 
the famous Vlad the Impaler, also known as Vlad the Third, Vlad Dracula, Vlad Tepes. How do you say that? Wait, Drac Dracula, Dracula. Um, my favorite is the Blood Prince. Okay, this entire episode, Dracula is going to be a prince. Okay. You know, there's a different word for that in in his in in Transylvania area for Prince. What do they call it? They call it a vivode. And I I'm I'm adding this correction now because I wrote these notes so that any idiot could understand it. Hopefully, <laughs> I like to tell a story. I just don't want somebody coming at me like Steph. You know, technically that's not a prince. There's not like a monarchy in that. I fucking know, guys. <laughs> I know. Just just suspend reality. Enjoy the show. Just don't worry about it. It's okay. But what's interesting about him is he was, you're going to see a big duality. I know, I know Patrick's already seen me struggle with this. He is one of the most important rulers from his country, Wachovia, and a national hero in Romania. But history mostly remembers him for his favorite method of execution, which is impalement. He's basically a fucking tyrant. Um, His military tactics by today's standards would include uh, like massive amounts of genocide and war crimes under the Geneva Convention. They have protocols for rights and protections against non-combatants. So, but okay, yeah, under today he would be tyrant. He'd be terrible. He'd be horrible. But this is a long ass time ago. It was a much harder world back then, you know. So, if I'm remembering correctly from a, a documentary I watched year, years ago. They still celebrate him hardcore there as like this massive savior. And they still fucking love the hell out of him. And it's kind of one of those things. It almost seems like even throughout the history, they're like, yeah, okay. So he killed a whole lot of us too, but man, we're kind of worth it. Yeah. I, I think the best way to try to wrap your mind around it and try to like, I always believe that truth lies in the middle. Right. Yeah. So on one extreme, you got national superhero you know like why did marvel didn't make him a character uh, well they did right like there was a vampire it doesn't matter shut up stuff you have this this superhero godlike man you know like i saved all of you i'm amazing and then you have fucking hitler right like yeah. there's this duality and i yeah. learned from my parents believe it or not that there is somewhere in between like my mom my, my parents are divorced and my dad would trash talk my mom and she's like, oh, this crazy bitch did all this shit. And she's blah, 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 blah. And then my mom would be like, oh, he's such a dick. He did all this shit, blah, 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 blah. And the worst part was, is I realized they were both right. And what actually happened was smack in the middle. So I'm doing my, you heard my hands clapping, by the way, guys. There's not loud booms going. But I'm trying my best to represent both sides of this story as best I can. But the best way to understand his rule, we have to understand the rise and the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Like, it is a big deal to the people of Wachovia that he stopped the Turks from advancing through Western Europe during his reign. And he protected them as a warlord. And uh, it's a ruthless time in history. Rulers could justify acts of despicable violence to ensure their shit, right? Because you want people coming for your shit. It's a, you, you said it, it's a turbulent time. It's violent. Like you're going to have to do extreme measures because um, everybody else around you is, right? And and what's amazing is it's definitely this period in time all backed by religious endorsement every time, right? 
And this trend, you'll see it over and over again. It'll happen again after this too with the Inquisition or not Inquisition, the Inquisition. Let us show the Inquisition. You know, Mel Brooks. No. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm okay. Great. The yeah. <laughs> See, but I, I hear Inquisition. I, I think of uh, Monty Python. You know, uh, this new one suspects the Spanish Inquisition. Get the county chair. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. So for for him to make sense to me, I had to go all the way back, like way back before his actual time period. Because anytime you start with Dracula documentaries, it puts you smack in the middle. And I'm like, well, how yeah. did he come to war? With all this shit. Like, I don't understand. So I had to go all the way back. Because I studied my my degree, my certification for any of this is I studied history of art and religion in college. My degree, my degree is dual majors. So okay. I studied religion itself and not its wars. So I didn't fucking get it. It's a, it was a big religious war that was going on. So to basically frame up what happened with Vlad the Impaler, you got you to gotta hit the Crusades. Bring anything to mind? Do you do you know anything about the Crusades at all? Uh, just pretty much, it was it was uh, you know the the Catholic Church's attempt to regain the stronghold for the Holy Lands. And, you know, everybody's always kind of fighting over. Oh well, I want Jerusalem. No, I want this. No, I want that. You know, you can't have it. It's too important to me. And, and back and forth. And if everybody would have just shut the fuck up and gotten along for five goddamn seconds, still wouldn't be having the same wars and the same arguments in the same area. It's crazy it that they did that too, and they did it. For a stupid long time, too. Like, this is yeah. like almost 300 years worth of war. No, 200 years worth of wars. Wars were 1096 to 1291. There were eight major crusades. And they were bloody, and they were violent, and they were ruthless. But it was a status game, right? So Christians were rising in power at this time, right? Because they were not major players. But... If they could expand into the Middle East, which was a huge chunk of thing, then they, like that's it. Christianity take over the world. The Muslims are like, yeah, no, we're going to take over the world. It's it's weird. It's like there has to be but one religion, which is probably how you and me are in the boat we are in today. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, but uh, they had to. The Christians are like, all right, if we're going to be major world players, we're going to be a major world religion. We got to go get Jerusalem, and we got to knock out this Islamic rule, basically. And the biggest conflict that sticks out in my mind is the battle over Constantinople, which was established as the capital of Christianity. And what sucks is Muhammad, Islamic's major prophet, right, directed some of his prophecies directly at Constantinople. I have a translation of it in English. We try not to butcher this, but it was, uh, verily you shall conquer Constantinople, what a wonderful leader he will be and what a wonderful army will, no wait, what a wonderful army will that army be. Great. So now they have a prophecy from their prophet. So it's going to have to come. Yeah, they have to do it because they're going to do it. Yeah. We're we're gonna. So if the Ottoman Empire could reclaim the city, it would be the ultimate sign that they were right. Islam triumphs over Christianity as the one true religion. And then not only that, but they gain major economic and political power throughout the entire world stage. Okay. By the end of the crusades though, you were right, right? Like they, 
Christians are kind of like, fuck Jerusalem. I don't really care anymore. We just, uh, we got to topple these Muslims. They got to go away. Right. And so then by the beginning of roughly 1299, the Islamic Turkish tribes in Asia Minor began to make a uh, continual grab for territory and expanding the waning power of the Byzantine Empire. And the word Ottoman is historically anglicized with the name of Osman I, the founder of the empire and the ruler of the House of Osman, also known as the Ottoman dynasty. Uh, in the millennium after Osman I's death, a big push was made for the Balkan Peninsula and Transylvania was situated in the northern part inside the Danube River Basin, opening up the Black Sea. Yeah. So if you're on the video, if you're on the video podcast on the YouTubes, there'll be a lovely map right here so you can see it. It'll be it'll be right here. But what what, uh, what kind of was new to me is I was like, Vlad is from Transylvania. Well, no. Nope. At this time, Wachovia, where he's from, is neighboring Transylvania, and it is under Hungarian Christian rule. This is where the Draculas live, okay? Eventually, it's going to get absorbed into the modern incarnation of Romania along with Transylvania. So they're just all get rolled into one. This region sucked because it was fucking smack dab in the middle of the Ottoman and Hungarian empires. So Ottomans, Muslim, Turkish empire, Hungarian is the Christian uh, some weird hybrid of Christianity and Catholicism, right? And they're under these countries, you know, right in the middle is this little tiny fucking place, okay? And it was under constant threat of invasion because those two places use that middle ground in their deadly power struggle, okay? It was basically a pawn. And what sucked is, is the reason why they didn't just like, power roll into it is they had no clear system of inheritance to throw. Instead, whoever previously ruled the country, any of their children, legitimate or not, would have a claim to the throne. So you have you have all these heirs. If one backed you and your country and your agenda, you could send them military support and then put them in power, basically. And then the power changes hands a lot during these brutal conflicts because it's not like England where it's like only this person or this person can claim it. No, 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 no. There's like 10 people at once constantly fighting for the thing. And uh, it was more in it was it was more convenient to back those people because of the country's extreme nationalists. They had doctrine that native blood must rule the country. And Wachovians rather burn their country to the fucking ground where there would be nothing left than hand it over to a foreign imported ruler. So you couldn't just take from somebody from Hungary, decimate the country and be like, okay, Hungarian ruler. Because then you wouldn't have people or lands or anything. They would just trash. Flash it all down. Yeah. Gone. You'd have nothing to rule. It, they would destroy it first. I mean, that makes sense. You know, who wants to let some some asshole come in and tell you how to, you know, run your own country, run your own shit? You, you, you do what you can to keep the people in power. Uh, so then in, in 1402, the Byzantines reclaimed land in the Battle of Ankara and sent the empire into complete disorder. A civil war erupted over the secession of the Ottoman Empire 
lasting until about 1413. And Mehmed, the first emerged as Sultan. His heir, Murad II, began a fierce campaign to reclaim the lost Balkan territories. And then we had Mercia I, who was the prince of Wallachia at the time, and initially formed a system of lasting alliances, which enabled him and Wallachian independence during the period of instability. After primarily maintaining relations with Hungary, he defeated the Turks in several battles. Eventually, he signed a peace treaty with the Ottomans to preserve the autonomy of the Romanian country one year before his death in 1418. Yeah, and this is great, because now we're finally getting into Dracula. We got, we got all, the, all the little things in line. So the father of Dracula, Vlad II, or the dragon, okay, this is where he comes into the picture. He was one of the many illimited, illegitimate, (laughs) that word, sons. (laughs) He was a bastard. Yeah, bastard to Mercia of the first and grew up as a hostage of Sigmund of Luxembourg, the king of Hungary. Now, hostage is is a fun word because basically if you got in bed with the Ottoman or the Turkish empires, Basically, you would send your king or you would send your kids to live with the ruler at that time as an act of good faith and ensure your loyalty to that king. You fuck up. You betray me. Your kid fucking dead. Powerful bargaining chip. It really was. It was. It was. And uh, Mircea's only legitimate son, Michael, succeeded him only to fall two years later to cousin Dan II. Leaving Vlad Sr., okay, because there's Vlad Dracula and then Vlad, Vlad two, three. So he's Vlad Sr., okay, and several of his half-brothers in this blood feud for the throne of the Wachovias, okay? Um, Dan II, you're gonna, we're going to hear this name later, so just put a little pin. This is, this is who we were talking about. Yep, right there. Um, so... This is where Vlad the Impaler was born. He is a second legitimate son out of three. And they used his, the historians used his candidacy of when he was able to come to power as a way to estimate his time of birth between 1428 and 1431. They don't have a birth certificate. They didn't do that shit. So they guesstimate he was born in 1429 after his father settled in uh, a Transylvanian town. I'm not going to pronounce it. I forgot to look it up. <laughs> and it belonged to Hungary at the time. So they were in bed with Hungary right about now, the Draculs. Okay. So then we had uh, Sigismund, who made Vlad a first-class member of the Order of the Dragon in Nuremberg on February the 8th of 1431. Uh, and due to the membership in the chivalric and fraternal order, he was sworn to defend the cross and fight enemies of Christianity, more specifically, the Ottoman Empire. So the dragon shape of the order's badge gave rise to the Romanian nickname of Dracul. The dragon is the actual translation, not devil. Thank you, Bram. Uh, so Dracula essentially equals to son of Dracul, so it's son of the dragon. Uh, the king of Hungary declared him the lawful prince of Wallachia, and in exchange, Vlad was to protect the interests of the Roman Catholic Church. 
In 1435, Vlad Sr. made a play for, for Wallachia with the help of Sigmund, who gave him weapons and a small army, but the Ottoman allied forces drove him, uh, drove him out and made him retreat. Which doesn't really matter, though, because his half-brother on the throne kicked the bucket about 1436, and Vlad claims the, the title for himself. Yeah, but done. Woo! Easy, right? Vladdy, Vlad is, is, is king. Dracula is his son. Dracula, no, 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 no. This was not cool because the king of Hungary dies. Now we got no backing. We're fucked. And Vladdy Daddy <laughs> is forced to reconcile with the Ottoman Empire because now he's got no Hungarian to back him. And he has to swear loyalty to Murad II because of a peasant uprising in Transylvania that was affecting Wachovia at the time. And he also had to pay yearly tribute and support to any of the Ottomans' military campaigns. Instead of protecting Transylvania and Wachovia at the time, okay, uh, it was the Ottoman invasion of 1438. He decided, oh, I'm going to show the Sultan around. I'm going to help him out. He was the tour guide. It's a nice guy. And he's yeah, his own men to help him invade Hungary. They plundered that shit. 30,000 captives he took. Some of them were his own fucking people. And nobody could really figure out his true intentions because he just switched sides. It just happened. I mean, I get it. You're stuck in the middle of all that shit. Any given day, right? The wind changes in your fuck. So you got to do whatever you can to protect your people and a quick grab for land it it's it really like a, a terrible horrible soap opera if you think about it just the constant back and forth the the change of alliances next thing you know your evil twin brother is back out of the coma and all of a sudden shit changes all over again it's a lovely it's a lovely uh, analogy so trying to write this timeline so i could understand it you you don't want to see my notes it was bad i had like six different sources to get this in the launch to make sense. It's like, oh, and even then my head's still spinning because I'm like, wait, dude was in power, and then dude was in power, and then dude was in power, and then Vlad finally in power. Okay. Once the Ottomans leave, he goes to the new king of Hungary, tries to broker a trade. He's like, I just captured all of your guys and my guys, but you can have some back. Big shocker, no dice. Didn't work out. That king died of dysentery, 1439. The Hungarians are like, we're going to put a Polish guy on the seat in the early 1440s, basically. Then this motherfucker is like, you know what? The new king, the Polish guy, we need Wachovia. Let's strike a new deal. So let's mint some coins for Vlad Sr. to restore some Hungarian influence in this country. Okay, let's, let's, let's take it back. Okay, we like this area. It's ours. So Vlad becomes friends with this guy, John Hyundai. And he is the highest ranking official in Transylvania within the Kingdom of Hungary. So now all three of these guys are hanging out. Well, and then Murad decides that he wants to officially invade Transylvania. And that's in about 1442. And he uses about 70,000 men to do it. And then John asks Vlad not to support the Sultan's plans. The Ottoman governor of Bulgaria rats out Vlad Sr. to Murad. And he's taken prisoner. So he had to pledge not to support the enemies of the Ottoman Empire. 
and to send 500 Wallachian boys annually as tribute to the uh, Sultan's armies. Uh, But before the year was over, Vlad was released. He regained his throne in 1443, uh, but he was also then forced to leave his two sons, Vlad Dracula Jr. and Radu, as hostages in case he fucked up again. I don't know where his oldest brother is exactly at this time. Okay, it's... uh... I might have read it in here. I might have not. It help if I know my own show notes. But Dracula has three brothers. This will this will come into play later. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I might have wrote it in. I might have not wrote it in. Sorry, podcast people. This is how this works. Okay. But it, it'll it'll come in again later. What I think is interesting is you ever you ever follow true crime cases when there's like a serial killer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um. So do we know why? Um. Oh, I need a good example. Oh, what's the guy's name? This is so bad. Hold on. There's elevator music. I need a second. Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Do we know why he made the zombies? (laughs) No. He wanted love. He's he serial killed people because he wanted a lover that would never leave him. He had abandonment issues from being teased as a kid. Okay, so we like we love to go back and figure out why these fuckers do the things that they do. Okay. So historians believe that our Vlad the Impaler was very heavily influenced during his time of captivity. Okay. Radu, his brother, did really well with the Ottomans because he was a big ass kisser. Big ass kisser. He shared the kings. He, he puckered up. He he sucked that butthole. <laughs> I mean, I love a good rim job too, but this is this is too far. Like he was up this king's ass, so he was fine. He was fine. Vlad, on the other hand, is a bit rebellious, such as myself. Just just a little bit. Like you're not my daddy. Fuck off. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> so he had this shit attitude, and he got regularly whipped. By his captors. I mean, he got a a solid ass whooping on the regular. There were there were parts where he was probably tortured a little bit. Blah 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 blah. So that abuse from not surviving well in the Ottoman Empire could have fueled a very strong disdain for the Turks from the Ottomans and Redu that carried into his adulthood, and that's when all that good juicy impalement happens, which we'll get to. But this is why they think he did the thing. They, that makes a that makes a lot of sense. You know, you, you beat the living shit out of somebody. What are they going to do? They're going to learn from it and they're going to take it up a notch. And fuck you! Here's a giant wooden stake up your ass. So delicious. <laughs> it comes back around. All right. So then, uh, so Vladdy Daddy continued to support the struggle against the Ottomans along with the Hungarian army under the command of John. And it turns out it was a really great idea. The Crusade of Varna of 1444, uh, because of this badass, John, he could only muster about 15,000 men, and yet he still beat the living shit out of the Ottomans. What badass. It was great. How do you do this? 70,000 men, 15,000, going to kick your fucking ass. I mean, they they 300 that shit. Yeah. It was Sparta. Yeah. This is... Wachovia. I mean, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Unfortunately, in our soap opera drama, this victory was very short-lived. It's like it's oh, what? What happened? Because yeah, yeah, 
Wachovia and Hungary, their relationship starts to dissipate. So Vlad Dracula, okay, our impaler, is, or no, Vladdy Daddy. He's the second. Vladdy Daddy. I love Vladdy Daddy. I'm so happy we embraced the Vladdy Daddy. Oh, yeah. Use that oh, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I, I, I give people nicknames as I go trying to tell these stories because I get tired of saying the same thing over and over again. You know, the formal... You know, and you don't call me Stephanie Francesca Hunt all day. Normally, they're like, Stephanie did this, this. You know what? Steffi did this bullshit by the end of it, you know? And then, by, and then it's just like, that's straight cunt. <laughs> and then you still know who you're talking about. Vladdy <laughs> Daddy is like, shit, my kids are over there. So he was convinced, because he went against the Turkish Sultan, that his sons were, air quote, butchered for the sake of Christian peace. Weirdly enough, neither Vlad nor Radu was murdered or mutilated during their father's rebellion. This forced Vlad's dad to make peace with the Ottomans 1446-7-ish, I think, you know, that winter-ish where it rolls into the new year, and then agreed to return those original hostages that he tried to negotiate with, um, along with yearly trip. No, 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 no. Look, he gets some refugees from the Turks. And he's like, I'll give you those and some yearly tributes. So Vlad Sr. doesn't, I mean, it's, it's it's a solid deal. But now he's switched side like how many fucking times, right? How many times did he switch? I think we're up to about 47. Correct. No, the, the answer is always 42. <laughs> Damn it. Overshot. Yeah, 42. Galaxy, guard, what is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah. It's always 42. If there's ever a question, 42. Vlad Sr. was hated by who he ruled. They had enough of that shit. They were done. So they go to the Hungarians because they like those guys. They go, hey, look, let's overthrow him once and for all. Now, Dracula's oldest brother. Yeah, that one that was hiding out. Here it is. Marcia, named after the other guy. They buried him alive. And 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 Vlad Senior was assassinated by his own people. Only Radu remained unharmed in the Ottomans' territory. Besides, well, him and Vlad, yeah. But Radu is in the Ottomans, and Vlad is still with the Ottomans, and they're unharmed. But his, his Vlad, yeah, Dracula Senior assassinated Marseille. Oh no, no, no! I missed a part. I'm going to put it in here anyway because. Fuck my Just slide it in there. Mars- yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Thought I got away with that one. Yeah. So the oldest brother, Marcia, this is what I meant to write. Okay. He was, he, his eyes were gouged out and then he was buried alive. I missed that part. It was so good. It was so juicy and I missed it. Eyes gouged out and buried alive. They're like, fuck that guy. See, now I'm just uh, uh, reminiscing on uh, uh, Full Metal Jack and gouge your eyes out and skull fuck you. So you got to wonder what else they put that poor bastard through before they buried his ass alive. That's a terrible way to go. But you know what? It's, it's interesting, though. You know, put a little pin on that for, for part two where we talk more about the, the lore of vampire. You almost have to wonder if, if that somehow connects them to the uh, rising out of the grave. So we'll put a, put a little pin on that. We'll, we'll revisit it on the next episode, huh? My heart, my my nerdy headmistress, Macabre Academy heart is just so in love with you. <laughs> but, but I digress. I digress. We should all right. So Vlad was spared after all of this. And the Turks put him in charge of his own army to avenge his father's murder. 
and the claim to claim the throne all for himself. He was only 17 at the time, and he had a temporary victory in 1448. So Vlad takes advantage when John goes out on another of the anti-Ottoman crusades with the new ruler of Wallachia. And this time, he got his ass handed to him. He got lucky the first time, second time, not so much. And Vlad quickly seized the throne in October of that year. Uh, but then the new guy came back and Vlad was out by December. So, you know, give him a little bit of credit on that. You know, it was only two months, but again, he's only 17. It's his first try, right? Uh, but eight years later, no one knows what the fuck Vlad is up to. And then boom, 1456, he reinvades Wallachia with the support of Hungary this time. Some flip-flopping, as they all seem to have done. And shit really hit the fan. Vlad continued in his father's footsteps. He wasn't a religious man, so he had no real alliance to either side. And the alliances were only created out of necessity, which constantly shifted with the wind. And it was a real struggle to balance Hungary and the Ottomans and keep himself independent. Oh, yeah. And this is, this is the best part of the story. This is, this is, I think, if you've made it this far into the podcast and you're waiting for the good stuff, this is where it is. Shit's getting juicy. Oh, it's getting juicy, juicy. He established his immediate reputation as an authoritative leader. And he ruled in a manner to strike fear into the hearts of opponents and allies alike. Because we saw how shifty these alliances are. Be the scariest motherfucking warlord as possible. And nobody is going to want to fuck with you. It's not, it's not walk up to the biggest guy in the prison yard and sucker punched him. Oh, oh no, 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 no. We, we know what he does. Yeah. It's, it's a lot worse. Okay. So he began this, this rampage of blood at home. Okay. And it's a deeply vengeful purge against those who had participated in the murder of his father and his elder brother or Anybody he suspected of plotting against him. On the day dubbed the Bloody Easter in 1457, the numbers are different in different sources. So it's two to 500 members of the Russian aristocracy were impaled, beheaded, or enslaved, guilty of having betrayed or threatened his power. This episode is famous. Both because it was the first case in European history of open violence against a group of people considered to be noble. So they're wealthy. Like normally money protects you, right? God's like, fuck your money. I don't give a shit. You fucked me over. I'm coming at you. No amount of money or status is going to save your ass. Okay. And it provided the prince with the manpower necessary to completely restore the fortress of uh, Panari that castle that everybody visits, right? That is his stable residence. And I need to clarify impalement because we kind of glanced it over and I'm like, we need to, we need to, we need to get in there a little bit more. You need to get in there? Really? That's, that's the way you're going to go with Okay. Okay. Yeah. Get all up in there. (laughs) All up in there. Remember balls deep. Okay. 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 It is, it is one of the earliest forms of execution. Okay, which dates back in the Near East to roughly 1772 BC. 
you're new to the podcast, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna explain BCG for a moment, okay? Because you know it's not like we're Christians, you know, before Christ, after Christ, whatever. Modern history is BCE and and CE Common Era. Fuck your Common Era, okay? This is new. I hate fucking Common Era. We never use Common Era, okay? It's it you know Christ marked such a, a important time in the line that I keep it. It's like the time when everything went to shit. Okay, so I I leave it that way. So nobody come at me for Common Era. We will never use Common Era on here, okay? But the Near East, that's where the Ottoman Empire is. So the Turks have a very long history of using impalement. So Vlad saw impalement and learned impalement from the Turks. And whoop, like you said, handed it there right back to him. Right back to him. Both ends. Oh, yeah. So you're driving a stake or a pole in the body. But what's interesting is there's two ways to do this. Longitudinal and traverse. Longitudinal impalement, most common, went through the anus and up near the head through the chest or the shoulder blades. If the pointy end struck the organs, death, few hours, right? You're pretty much a goner. But if Vlad really hated you, there was documentation of him greasing the non-pointy end. The rounded end, the fat end, greasing that and putting you on that and letting your body weight descend down that pole over several days. Now, this avoids all your major organs, that weight slowly crushing on that giant round pole through your ass, right? So your death would take even longer because you're, you're. See, this, this is where it's good then to be a fat ass. Yes. It doesn't take you quite as long. Yeah, just right down. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm fluffy for several reasons. This, <laughs> I'm hard to kidnap this. and easier to go when I get impaled. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and 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 traverse is less dramatic. That's just horizontally piercing through the torso or front to back, lazy versus. You know, it's not as exciting. It's it's really not. But it's not. Up, sorry, mm-hmm? I was gonna say you think that end up taking even longer. For them to die, because there's there's not as much that you know can be hit on it. So they're yeah. probably they're just as long, you know, back breaking and just screaming and torture. Yeah. Bleeding out through your stomach is the worst way to go. That's why they're like, don't shoot yourself. Like, don't yeah, don't yeah. shoot someone inside. It's worse. Just shoot them in the head or in the leg. Like, pick one. Yeah. Pick one. Or both. The impalement, though, like not so subtle tactic of mind control. Okay. Because not only have you effectively murdered and tortured somebody, but now you have a lovely display to go with it, okay? And it is a lovely, gruesome warning against any rebellions, because that is burned into your mind. If you've ever seen someone impaled, it it will never leave you. And what's crazy is impalement itself was pretty much used primarily for crimes against the state. Well, and then, so there's multiple sources uh, that have been recorded that hundreds or thousands of people were executed at Vlad's orders at the beginning of his reign. And Vlad invented his own strict code of conduct. I mean, think about it. A code of conduct for impaling people. All right. Mm-hmm. Vlad's my kind of... Yeah, he flipped the script. He's he, like, I got, I got my own rules. That motherfucker was thinking outside the box. All right. So the rich had their own pole and it was covered in silver. Merchants had the slowest agony with a few notches engraved into the poles. So, you know, 
that way it just keeps digging it a little bit tighter each time. Uh, in Cebu, Cebu, sorry, I'm butchering the hell out of that name. Uh, about 10,000 people were impaled at the exact same time, uh, but not before they were covered in honey to attract all sorts of insects. Which just those people, they got their own special code written in. Own special code. Uh, and then adulteresses were impaled in front of the door of their house. And as a sign of respect, Vlad made himself available to watch the entirety of the torment, even taking his meals amongst those imp- uh, impaled. So, then, and the rumor has it that he would dip his bread in the blood. So, think about it. I mean, it's like going to to uh, uh, Olive Garden or, or you know some sort of uh, you know Bravo or or Italian restaurant. And instead of being like, "Hey, I need some extra olive oil and and vinegar," no, just like, "Hey, just reaching up over by one of the, the spikes and just to dipping your bread in there and just a little crusty bread, a little bit of blood." Guy's messed up. <laughs> He's got issues. I know, but he didn't immediately. This this brought to mind the Aerosmith song. Like he was so dedicated to this, he's like, he didn't want to miss a thing. He didn't, don't want to fall asleep. <laughs> are you napping? I mean, are you just like you don't want you were gonna watch every second that this person dies? <laughs> you just don't want to miss a thing. Mommy didn't give him enough hugs as a kid. I have no references to Vlad's mother. That might explain a thing or two. So much. Now that you said that. <laughs> so much. So much. Um, moving, on, moving on a bit. So Vlad has some violent clashes with the Transylvanian Saxons. And I remember I was telling the new boyfriend about Saxons. He's like, oh, I'm Saxon. No, 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 no. This isn't Anglo-Saxons of England. Okay. These were German migrants settled into the region, conquered by Hungary. And this is the wealthy merchants. This is why he fucking hated the merchants the most. Okay. There was turmoil in Transylvania, and he tried to handle it through diplomacy and trade restrictions first. Okay. Uh, They were supporting one of his opponents, Dan III, and several pretender princes of Wachovia. So the Hungarians tried Right, they wouldn't recognize anybody who wasn't of blood, so they tried to set up only princes that they would recognize. So they're called uh pretender princes, and one was his Ill- illegitimate half brother, Vlad the Monk. Now, he had been waiting in the wings since I told you to put the pin in it since that Dan guy died mm-hmm. on, the, on the throne of Wachovia shortly before dad's role. Thus, all right, he's like, All right, I tried, I tried the nice way. Let's do this the fucking hard way. Declares wars on the Saxons and immediately burned several villages to the ground with all of the possessions of Vlad the Monk supporters. He's like, you guys recognize this guy? Fuck this guy. All yins are going to die. And German sources said that the people looked like they were hacked to pieces like cabbage. He took some captives, right? Well, okay, maybe they'll be okay. No. No, no, they were impaled as soon as they got to Wachovia and then put on display for when a Saxon diplomat tried to come to negotiate with Vlad once they realized he was getting brutal. He did use other methods of torture. An incident occurred on August of 1459 when he decided to throw a gourmet lunch party. That's nice of him. It's so nice. And it was all local Saxon merchants. 
Okay. So kicking off the meal, he had the first merchant consume said food. Then he had him gut it. Then the second merchant was ordered to eat the contents of the guts from first merchant. Okay. And then that passed along until the very last merchant was boiled alive. And then that meat was given to his dogs. It was like the original human centipede. I was, I was just going to say that. A, and only mildly less disturbing than the movie. You know how they came up with that movie? I'm guessing this. I, w- I wish this was it. When I read oh. this, I was like, oh, that's where they got it. Right? That's not where they got no? it. Yeah. Now, there are these guys, they're writers, right? They're sitting around a table and they're bullshitting, right? Because they're having writer's blocks. So they're just having a little brainstorming session. And they're like, what is a good punishment for child rapists and murderers? Oh. So they come up with that and they go, you know, it'd be a good horror movie if that happened to normal people. That's how they came up with it. I mean, I was kind of figured it was just a bunch of dudes sitting around and be like, yo, I had this really weird sex dream. No, it was sexual to punish sexual predators. I, but you know what? I, 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 now I could support that. I think I'd get behind that. I'd rather watch that movie. Yeah. Of child watching that happen. I would have, I didn't make it through the trailer of Human Centipede when I found out it was normal people going through that. And then when I found out why they should have wrote the movie that way, I would have been all about it. Shit, make a documentary. Yes. <laughs> I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Um, I digress because he takes care of these merchants that he hates in the most vile way possible. Gut to gut to gut to gut dog meat. He also impaled 41 Saxon students he suspected of espionage. He eventually, though, did manage to capture Dan III, forced him to dig his own grave while the priest read the burial rites, read the mass while he did it. Then Ended the whole thing by beheading Dan and putting him in the grave that he just dug. Great. You dug your own grave. Okay. So real quick. So the, the first time I read through your notes and, and reading this part, all I could think of is in my head, it sounded like a ring announcer. And, you know, it's like in this corner, you have Vlad, the Impaler, Dracula, the Blood Prince. And in this corner, Dan. <laughs> the fuck is going to happen? You're going to come up against a guy with all, these, with all these great nicknames and all these great titles, and you're Dan the Third. Of course your ass is digging your own grave. Come the fuck on. What are my cute nicknames? That's yeah. the guy's name. It's not Daniel Dan. Lionheart the Third. It's just Dan, Dan the Third. how you know you're pointless in history. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dan. <laughs> what can I get for you today? <laughs> I don't know if it's just your delirium, but that's the best ever. Okay. Celebrity deathmatch. Dracula. Yes. Dan. <laughs> we totally should have done that in claymation. <laughs> I wish I had a budget. <laughs> okay. Wait. Oh, God, I wasn't even drinking this episode. Turned <laughs> 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 out my new favorite. You got to go back and do this again. <laughs> okay. Funny enough, my sister thinks I have the uh, the perfect cackle, which is cackle. <laughs> so there's there's actually on the Patreon, if you join, there is a, a SMS sound of my cackle on there. I love it. <laughs> so, as a witch's cat call. Okay. 
Okay. His level of barbarity can only come from a twisted, psychotic madman. I, I wish I could have found more of these little tidbits, but I only found two. But he was known to disembowel his own mistress and that he had quite the collection, 24,000 noses from corpse of his slain enemies. Oh, shit. That's no. OK, so again, first reading through here and, and it was on my phone at uh, parent pickup uh, at uh, school yesterday. I thought that said nooses. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool, man. Did you hang them all on the wall and just kind of like overlap them? That brings a whole different image to my mind now that I realize it says noses. <laughs> I still kind of hope he had them all nailed to the wall. Yeah, me too. Actually, Mangala, uh, I don't know. I did an episode on Mangala. Mangala actually did have collection of eyeballs on his wall from all the twins and shit, from all those people that he fucking mutilated. He had a wall. So if you went in to his uh to his uh 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 lab to get studied, you saw the eyeballs. One of the survivors described the wall of eyeballs. So people do that shit. Oh that's I bet you he uh, fucking nailed that shit to the wall. Times of music, you're watching over me. That's just not even right. Oh my god. That's fucked up. Right. So bad. So bad. Um, but I digress because these are some pretty intense tactics and that shit must have worked. Okay. My favorite was there was a legend where Vlad, right, had put a solid gold cup in the middle of town. That cup stayed in the center of town for over a month because everybody was so terrified of the punishment if they stole that cup. Oh, I, I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame him at all. I'm terrified just thinking about somebody picking up that cup. So, okay, so then in the two years that followed all of this and all of his fucked up behavior, the Blood Prince fell behind on his annual monetary tribute to the Ottoman Empire. So despite being at odds with Hungary since the reinstatement of the Wallachia by the Ottomans, he had had a long hatred of the Turks that prevailed and relations began to wane. Uh, The current sultan, Muhammad II, sent messengers to remind him. And you remember the term, don't shoot the messenger? He did. They failed to remove their turbans in his presence. So he arranged to have their turbans nailed to their skulls before beheading them. They're not coming off now. Yeah, never coming off. So the song gets pissed off. So he sends an ambassador to either reach peace or to kill Dracula. And that poor fucker shows up with about a thousand horsemen. And only for all of them to be tortured and slaughtered. They must have tried to pick up the cup. Uh, So the the ambassador received a more severe punishment in which he was impaled on a taller wood or uh, in order to show be shown from the highest degree. So, you know, at least he showed respect. You know, all the horsemen are down here. Ambassadors like all the way the fuck up here. You know, and at least gives like an extra like three weeks to finally get to the bottom like everybody else. And what's great is, is Vlad had a profound knowledge of the Turkish language and customs because he spent all that time with them when he was a kid. And that allowed him to make several hostile advances in the Ottoman territory from sensitive information. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever heard these stories of, of women who go into the nail salon and the girls are standing there talking 
in their, their native language, right? Because a lot of them are from, from different countries and they're like, oh, stupid Americans and they'll say it in their language. And then the nail, the girl getting their nails done just fires right back. Like I'm not a stupid American in their language. He's that guy. He knows exactly what they're saying. They think he doesn't know. And they're talking like, and they're like, dude, I understand every word you're fucking saying. I don't know why they didn't think he would pick up their native language while he spent right? all that time with him. Dude. And that makes for several hostile advances into the Ottoman t- territory with that insider knowledge. He began crossing the Danube border in 1462 to violently desolate the territories between Serbia and that Black Sea and that Balkan Peninsula that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. In a letter to the Hungarian ally, he in his own words wrote, I kill peasants, women, old and young. We killed 23,884 Turks, not counting those burned alive in their houses or whose heads were cut off by our officers. And Vlad was very creative and innovative in his military career for this time because he's using aggressive guerrilla task tactics and early forms of biological warfare. So he pulled that shit where he sent diseased people into the sites of the Turkish army. People did not do that back then. <laughs> oh, you got the plague? I got a job for you. There you go. Go, go take a walk amongst the Turks. Uh, so at this point, Muhammad is fucking done. So he launches an army of more than 150,000 men. It's said to be the second largest military attack next to the siege of Constantinople in 1453. To either occupy Wallachia himself or change the rule to Vlad's brother, Radu. Uh, The main Ottoman army crossed the Danube under the command of the Sultan at uh, Nicopolis on June 4th, 1462. And Vlad decides to retreat further into Romania, but not before he adopts a scorched earth policy at the expense of his own people. So he's retreating and he's burning absolutely everything in his path. So all the the buildings, all the agriculture, he's poisoning the water. It's that mentality of I can't have it. Nobody can. And I mean, it sounds really shitty to do, but it's a great military tactic. Uh, so Vlad attempted to unsuccessfully locate and assassinate the Sultan during a night attack uh, on the Ottomans 12 days later, but he did manage to take out about 15,000 Turkish soldiers in the process. So unsuccessful, but he still took out a bunch of motherfuckers in the process. So, you know, it win-win. Uh, so he turned to the next option and decided to lean on psychological warfare in one final stand uh, in the next town, the invaders were about to come upon. It was great. It was great. Ottomans roll up, gates open. No opposition, no resonance, not a living fucking soul. What was waiting for him is probably the most famous image that they used. I mean, it was in Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992. It was that, that image, okay? It's called the Forest of the Impaled. An estimation of 20,000 skewered corpses were on display over an area more than seven acres. That's not just like a walk from the house to the mailbox. No, no. That's no, no. not at all. It was said that the bodies were composed of men, women, and children. 
I don't have it in here, but I read one account where women were impaled with the babies suckling at their teeth and then dying from uh, malnutrition because the mother was dead. There was no milk. They died uh, on their impaled. It was, it was bad. What I read, I was like, oh, and of course I added it anyway. I mean, when we were talking about all the sick, twisted fucking things he did, that's sadly, that's not even up there near the top. No. And what's crazy to me is nobody knows where Vlad got all these bodies from. Because some of them were fresh, some of them were. I mean, it's 20,000 people. How fast can you kill those? Because he didn't have Hitler's um, gas chambers to do it. So they did it by hand. Still, right? do what? He just like have a, a, a grain uh, a silo full of dead bodies? Maybe. Yeah. Just like, hey, can you throw those in, you know, out back? We're going to save these for later. I got a plan. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly when we're going to use them, but I like them. We're going to keep them. Yeah. Well, let, them, let them fester a little bit. The more they smell, the better. Yeah, it'd be fine. Hands. So, Ottomans go, yeah. Mm, bye. <laughs> yeah. They peace out. Bruh. Now, combination of things that are going on here. It's not just the unimaginable terror, but it's also summer heat. Stream, stream weather at this point. It's right. Oh, so bad. Yeah. And they're they're exhausted, too. You know, the heat poisoned all the water. There's they're thirsty, right? Heat dehydration bite. Okay. This kind of fucked Vlad though over. His days are numbered. His tactics left his land and his armies all but destroyed. And to make matters worse, the Ottomans left a parting gift. Some Ottoman troops headed by our favorite ass kisser, Radu. Now Radu, super smart, orchestrates a rebellion backed by the aristocrats that Vlad had initially targeted. Okay. Remember he went in and it was like, bloody gone. Okay. Wasn't hard in my head. He's like, Hey, look, this sadistic motherfucker, one of our own, our people caused all of Wachovia to suffer worse than any foreign invader. Do you really want to stay loyal to that kind of shit? And they're like, sign me up. We're in. Yeah. That's an easy hell no. Yeah. So Vlad tried to flee into the Carpathian Mountains and try to find us some asylum. That's when he gets captured. Three letters were forged at this time to Pope Pius II for grounds of imprisonment. Why they needed grounds to imprison Vlad the Pale, I don't fucking know. But they 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 black they uh blackmail, what's the word? Oh, I was gonna say something smart and it's going. Doesn't matter. So they they write these letters, forge the letters. Okay, because the Pope at that time had sent money to help with the war against the Ottoman Empire. So he was backing Vlad with money. The letter said that Vlad had got in bed with the Sultan to return him to the Wachovia throne. And with him switching side, Pope Pius is like, yeah, that fucker did that. It makes sense. Yeah. So they throw him in the in the pokey for like 14 years. Didn't kill him. They just they put him in a box. 14 years. They should have killed him, but I'm like, they pulled Mont- Count of Monte Cristo shit. Like, they just threw him in the thing. Maybe he's going to be useful later on. Yeah, maybe. He was released by Hungary, 1474 or 1475, to seize back the Wachovia throne again. They're like, well, he's technically blood prince. Maybe we can still use him. After what he did, I don't understand. Okay, but they're like, mm. well, his own people hated him at this time. 
And they still think he has a claim to the throne that they'll back. Okay. Well, and you know, right. 14 years in prison isn't going to make a warped mind even worse. Not at all. No, but they knew he was effective and the Ottomans were trying to invade again. That's true. Yeah. They did stipulation. You got to convert to Catholicism right away because he was Orthodox Christian. Okay. Orthodox Romanian Christian. I can't remember the name for it, but he was Orthodox they wanted him specifically Catholic, right? They got his dad was got inducted into a Catholic order without being forced to because he was Christian. They're like, that's cool. But now they're like, no, 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 you're gonna be specifically Catholic. Okay. Okay. After after fighting for the Moldavians, he regained the throne for 1476. But again, weirdly enough, two months later. He's got a thing with reigning for two months. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Two months again. Battle with the Ottoman claimant to Wachovia. Wait, the Ottomans backed a different guy. He gets off. So, and at that point, very little is known about his death. So Vlad was beheaded at a small pond just outside Bucharest, and his head was taken to Istanbul for display. There is an equal amount of mystery surrounding the current place of rest. The Snagoff Monastery marks itself as the final resting place for the blood prince. Variations of the story say that the monk stole the body so that he could have a proper Christian burial, uh, perhaps out of respect for his great-great-grandfather's contributions to the church and Vlad's uneventful fortification of the area during his reign. Uh, he was rumored to add a small cell uh, designed for punishment. The prince would invite his victim to kneel in front of an icon of the Virgin Mary. All of a sudden, a trap door would open and his guests would be sent to a ditch below where stakes stood erect, ready to pierce his body. Decapitated skeletons found here is claimed to be the proof of these horrific allegations. Uh, it's said that Vlad was interred at the entrance of the church, so many parishioners at Passover would absorb his sins, and every morning to this day, the monks of Snegov could, uh, uh, the Snegov convent, go to pray on the grave of Vlad III, begging him not to return. I mean, the- <laughs> so that's, that's pretty badass. I mean, we're talking hundreds of years later. So at almost, almost 600 years later, and people are still going there every day to beg him to not come back. Yeah, what drove me nuts about this, and this is why I said markets itself, right? Like it, they're saying this, okay? is they did excavations in the 1930s. And I believe, again, sometime shortly after, trying to find proof of Snargov's claim, the monastery of of the room and all these things, and his body. They didn't find shit. So it's, it's, I, it's kind of a lovely tourist trap in my brain, mm-hmm. right? You can YouTube it all over the place. I would, it's such a romantic end. And I do, I do mean romantic yeah. in that sense uh, of uh, ending to Vlad's rule. It's very appropriate that this is what happened. Could have happened. I don't know, but there's no proof that this happened and there's no proof it didn't happen. So you could go there. He could be buried there, right? They did find decapitated skeleton, blah, blah, blah. But the room's not there. There's not enough body for DNA testing. Nothing. It's just their word. Which sucks because I would I would love I hope this is true, I want it to be true. Well, and, and so after much. this long a time, the the monks that are there they probably believe it to be a hundred percent true. So in their minds, it is. 
Because the people who, who would have perpetrated the lie, if it is a lie, mm-hmm. they're dead so long ago that, you know, it, it is it, it historically becomes truth. That is a really fucking good point. Like, that didn't even dawn on me yeah. when I was writing that. Yeah, wow. And what's crazy is, it's like, Wild's reputation is, okay, winners write history, okay? So that's where I was saying in between. So maybe there wasn't a baby who died at his teat, right? That could have been an exaggeration of Vlad's enemies because they were scared of him. So they wanted to make everybody scared. Okay. And, and it could be exaggerated because the written record is sparse. Yeah. What is available are, are, is very interesting because during Vlad's lifetime, the movable printing press was invented And the technology easily distributed German and Russian pamphlets and books telling myths of the cruel and tyrannical prince, Vlad Dracula, right? And and they even added this amazing, uh, horrific illustrations on the title pages to kind of, you know, sex and violence sells shit. It sells. And... The literary productions are often were often made without any historical foundation. They're based purely on rumor, and this derive uh, this derives like the beginning of that cannibalism and vampirism associated to Vlad long before Stoker ever got to it. Ever got to it. Um, I have a little snippet um, to kind of wrap this up in a nice little neat bow. I hope um, published uh, from 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 a publication in Nuremberg, 1499. Um, uh, Fuck the dates. It's 1499, 1500, somewhere in there. And it depicts Vlad dining uh, at a table surrounded by the dead or dining people on poles from what we were discussing earlier. And this is what they wrote about it instead of, you know, dipping blood, blah, blah, blah. No, okay. Vlad has a big copper cauldron built and put a lid made of wood with holes in it on top. He put the people in the cauldron and their heads in the holes and fastened them there. Then he filled it with water and set a fire underneath it and let the people cry their eyes out until they were boiled to death. And then he invented frightening, terrible, unheard of tortures. He ordered that women be impaled. Oh, this is where I got it from. He ordered that women be impaled together with their suckling babies on the same stake. The babies fought for their lives at their mother's breast until they died. He had the women's breasts cut off and put the babies inside head first. Thus, he had impaled them together. And it's from uh, about a mischievous tyrant called Dracula, number uh, verses number 12 through 13. So clearly, Vlad the Impaler has been soaked in blood for some 500 years. And it may be difficult to distinguish the fact from the fiction about the real Dracula at this point. And there's enough evidence to know that Vlad had committed some serious atrocities in his era. Maybe to this detail exactly. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you would hope not. But probably. You know, what I think is, is crazy is that they they take all this information and they wrap it up and then you can completely flip a lot of this on the dime too. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, these, the people from his country are, are washing over 
you know, a lot of this, as long as is what you're saying earlier, a means to justify the ends. Yep. And, you know, fuck these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, you know, he did some shit, but it wasn't this bad. And it's okay as long as they don't have to face the truth of his, you know, war crimes and things. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Fine. It's fine. That's it. That is all she wrote on literally all she wrote (laughs) on Vlad the Impaler. And you are the she. I am the she. Yes. Um, so what did you think? What did you think of the story helping me tell it and things? What, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings about the, the situation here that happened over the last hour and a half? Bro, I, had a, I had a blast talking about it, though. <laughs> it's always you know, it, it's, it, it's just a, a lot of stuff that, you know, you hear little snippets of uh, uh, throughout the years of, but when you, you get it all put down all at once right in front of you, you really sit back like, God damn, this dude was fucked up. I think this is a great time to wrap up the episode, switch gears a little bit. It's This is my palate cleanser, is my weekly non-offensive dare. Okay, witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. It's kind of like extra credit here at the Macabre Academy. To mark my 100-episode commitment to my producer and sister, Sound Maiden, I have come up with 100 safe dares to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into this fucked up world. We'd love to see our listeners creatively complete these dares on Facebook, the Macabre Academy podcast. Also on Twitter, at the Macabre Academy, on Instagram, the Macabre Academy, and on TikTok, the underscore macabre underscore academy. Do something extraordinary and I might just send you something special. Okay, Patrick, since it is your first time at the Macabre Academy, I used to have people pick one to 100. We're halfway, we're over halfway through. This is episode like 60 or 59 or something at this point. So that your your odds of picking a number aren't good. So if you could pick page one, two, three, or four. No, one, two, three. One, two, three. Pick a page. Three. Three. Okay. One, two, three. Top, middle, or bottom? Got to go at the bottom. Oh, at the bottom. Okay. And then lastly, um, there's only two on the bottom. Okay. Uh, one or two. 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 Okay. Your, your non-offensive dare this week is to share with us your favorite quote of all time. And you can interpret this anyway. Yeah. Favorite quote. So you could, you could give me a, a TikTok video. You could make me like a postery thing or whatever. My, uh, my one of my favorite ones I've used this so many times. Ready, ready. And there was a firefight. Ah, I love it. Yeah. What do you What do you got? What's one of your favorite quotes? It could be from a movie. It could be from a, a philosopher. It could be from a book. It could be anything. Oh, you know what? All right, we'll go with this one. Uh, so earlier at uh, work today, uh, we have what they call a, a huddle, and it's kind of a, a little team get together to go over the day kind of thing, and. Uh, the one manager shared the our director's uh, inspirational quote of uh, the the week, and it reminded me when uh, uh, I was a chef and we do Sunday brunch, I would do the demotivational quote of the week, um, and the one that popped in my head was, uh, uh, it was "No matter how hard you work, there's always a 250 pound linebacker trying to take your fucking head off." Demotivational. Demotivational quote of the week. 
All right, that's it. I'm tired. My voice is gone. It's we've, we've been in it for a minute. You know, I, I don't know if we want it, but here we are. <laughs> Come back next week. We got part two. Um, are you coming back next week? You think? If you want me, if you want me, I'm back. Yes. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna work together more effectively since since Patrick was was in and learning my notes and stuff and not complaining about my script. Thank you so much. Um, but, uh, uh, we're going to go over the actual vampires. We're going to go over the science, a little bit of the evolution. We're going to see what Patrick's going to contribute to my current set of notes. It's gone. So that's it. Get the, get the fuck out of here. Go do something else. It's going to suck all over. Suck all over. <laughs> I never have a good sign off. So this usually just ends with a big bye. So bye. that's it. We're going to stop there. Oh, there we go. All right. Where's the. Where's the stuff? I can't find the. I never can fucking find the button. Oh, there it is. Wait. Okay. Got it. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons, especially our long-term house witches, Tara and Andrew. For updates, please remember to follow the Macabre Academy on all of our social medias. Please send in your thoughts, stories, and episode corrections to themacabacademy at gmail.com. Remember to like, share, and listen wherever you stream your favorite podcasts.